0: This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and we're doing a continuation deep dive from an original podcast. We did it with Sean Hutchinson of SBA Value Accelerator. And what we're gonna be talking about now as part of the value acceleration methodology, we're gonna be talking about the productivity portion of that.
1: That's right. Sean, thanks again. We're gonna go into the deep dive. All right, great. So the former chairman of Procter Gamble once said productivity is everything in every business. And I agree with that. This particular piece of our value accelerator, the productivity accelerator, comes four out of seven. And the reason that it's in the middle is because it provides a really important inflection point built on what's happened before, and it's a predictor of what happens in the future. You remember me saying on an earlier, I think it was the original podcast that we did, that value creation, value acceleration tends to not be linear, right? Like this. It's more of a slow climb and then there's an inflection point where it really takes off. So the exponential value curve is a scoop. One of the things that inflects that curve and gets it to move into a very steep incline is increases in productivity. Now, I think everybody understands what productivity is, but basically it's doing more with less, right? Now, there are a couple of different places in your numbers that you're going to see it on your financial statements, but one place is in the gross margin, Not the net margin necessarily, but the gross margin is the indicator of financial productivity in the organization of essentially throughput, right? Throughput of the assets. How quickly did they get through the organization? How quickly did they produce income, cash, and how quickly did they generate margin? So productivity is about not just efficiency, but it's also about velocity, right? And it's also about the efficient use of capital within the organization. Now, what are the tools that we use? One tool is called 50 to 5,000. So 50 to 5,000 is a concept that came out of Rob Slee's book, Midas Managers. And I think it's an amazing concept and it's been very effective with our clients. So the idea, if I go into a management team, for instance, or even just talking to an owner and I say, hey, how much of your day do you spend doing $50 an hour work, right? If they don't land immediately on a percentage, which tends to be in the 90% of the day or above then the answer is just way too much, right? And that's an immediate acknowledgement that productivity in the organization, even at the top, has been dampened. It's restricted, right? The reason for that is that not just the CEO, but everybody else in the organization is working on the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. There may be delegation problems. There may be process problems. There may be culture and communication problems. But at the end of the day, stuff's getting stuck in the organization. Now, what we want in order to create economic value is for the highest level strategic thinkers in the organization to be doing $5,000 an hour work. That's where the juice really gets put into the deal. But being aware is one piece of it. How much $50 an hour work are you doing? What are the things that are actually $50 an hour work? And then how quickly and how efficiently and how effectively can you transfer them to another person in the organization? We do what we call a 50 to 5,000 audit. It's pretty simple. It's a spreadsheet. We ask usually the management team, the owner and management team to spend the next month writing down all the $50 an hour stuff that they do. Just write it down. Basically keep a journal on it, write on a spreadsheet. Second, how much time did they spend on each one of those activities? Third, how important is that activity? How much of an impact does it have in the organization? One five. And then begin to identify the person that you're going to transfer to and set a date. Right. So in one possibly extreme case that we did it, although I'm not sure that it was really extreme, we had a group of 13 vice presidents in the organization, a fairly large company, like 85 million, something like that. And they managed a lot of divisions. They had a lot of different roles in the company. What we had noticed, though, is that really the production, if you will, coming out of those positions was not as high as you would expect it to be. Big strategic questions and issues were being left to the wayside. And it seemed like the management team was working on stuff that really was, should be handled at another point in the organization. So importantly, as a result of that, the organization was not creating as much value as it could have been. So we had 13 VPs. They spent a month looking at it. We took that information and we annualized it through discussion with them. Is this typical of a month or was it just unusual? What on here might've been kind of a one-time deal. Once we normalized it out, uh, let's see, 13 times 2,080, let's assume that they're working 2,000 hours a year. So we got what, about 27,000 hours, something like that Mm -hmm. in the year, 22,000 hours were identified as $50 an hour work. Think about the impact of that on the organization. First of all, it trickles all the way down, so to speak. At every point in the organization, something's getting stuck, right? Or something's not being done at the right kind of investment level in the organization. So, 50 to 5,000 is an incredibly powerful tool. And I can tell you that of all the bumper stickers that may be present in the value acceleration, 50 to 5,000 is one that always sticks with our clients. And they talk about it over and over again. Yeah. I'm doing $50 an hour work again, or I left some $5,000 opportunities out there. But it gets them thinking in a different way. It changes behaviors, mm-hmm. it changes culture, and it changes productivity. Now, the second piece of productivity is what we call value stream mapping, right? So process is really important part of productivity, as you would imagine. If you look at Kaizen, for instance, the basis of lean manufacturing, for instance, Six Sigma and things like that, Kaizen was the thing that Toyota used to reinvent its manufacturing processes. It's thought that every 100 process steps in an organization of any kind, 95 are probably unnecessary. Now, each step in a process in order to realize full productivity, which is impossible, we know that, each step in a process has to meet three criteria in order to add value To the process compared to where it was in the last step. So, the first criteria is that the step changes the form, fit, or function of whatever it is, right? The second piece of it is it must be done right the first time. Was it done right the first time? And then the third piece is will the customer pay for it? Now, a good example, simple example of unnecessary steps that I'm sure everyone is both aware of and frustrated by is when an invoice comes into the organization, somebody reviews it, puts it in, then it's got to go to somebody else, be re-reviewed. And then somebody checks the computer screen to make sure it's in there and they put a stamp on it and then it goes through. a Right. And eventually it gets to accounts payable if it's not. And somebody's then got to go through a process of writing the check and so on. So you got four people involved in a process that probably could have been done by one And all along the way, all that we have been doing is checking to make sure that the person before us or the step before ours was done right when it just should have been done right the first time. Quality control is another area of improvement within an organization. Quality control is a necessity. If you are having trouble with quality, more quality control is not the answer. Fix the quality problem. And then quality control (laughs) becomes less necessary. Now, part of that could be process. Maybe you just got a bad process in place. A lot of organizations are really good at mapping process, which does a lot of things for you on the productivity side. One, you can see what's happening in the organization, and you can establish what our guys who have expertise in the productivity and process area, and we've got some rock stars on our team who can do this all day long and do it really well. The happy path is what you're after, right? So if you can identify the happy path, that's great. But there are lots of loops in the happy path, right? Things that could happen. And if off of one box, right, if it's a yes, no kind of thing, right, it is, has the check been generated as a box in a process for payables? Yes, it's been generated. Okay, great. What happens after that? No, it hasn't been generated. Well, we have to go back in the process and we have to do some stuff again. Anywhere the process stops is what's called an error. It's actually just an error in the process. And anytime that that happens, the error has to be fixed. So productivity has been reduced in the organization. So the happy path is the perfect path and everything else off the happy path is a possibility, but it's not productive. Right. So mapping the processes can bring awareness to what is actually our happy path between it could be a microprocessor. It could be a big process that has a whole bunch of processes under it. The big process is called the lid. That's the terminology. And then all the other processes kind of fit in the box. So you can map processes all day long. The problem that I find is that most organizations that do process mapping do mapping well. They can capture all the steps, but that's where it ends. The assumption is that we mapped all the steps and all of the steps must be necessary because we mapped them. What we want to do is apply those criteria for productivity to the steps to see if they're really necessary. Now, if 95% of the steps in any company are unnecessary, there's a lot of improvement to be had. So it's worth doing is real money in the pockets of the company and also of the shareholders. So there's a lot of benefit that comes out of it. But Toyota managed to move the needle five steps. They went to 90 steps out of 100 being unnecessary, and it blew the lid off the world. They became the most admired manufacturer in the world for a period of time. They're still good at it, by the way. So that value-added process mapping brings up A lot of questions when we work with our clients that I think are very productive, no pun intended. And in many cases, they beg other issues, right? So if we map out a process well and we identify all the unnecessary steps, right? Things that do not change form, fit, or function, could have been done right the first time, wouldn't be necessary if they had been, and then the customer is willing to pay for it, Mm -hmm. one form or another. The customer is not willing to pay for errors, by the way, they're not willing to pay for extra steps. So if we're having trouble with that, there are probably communication problems in the organization about what a happy path is or should be. So we might see communication and culture problems. If we don't have the processes mapped, there's an even bigger productivity impact, I think, which is we have no way to efficiently onboard new people into the organization, get them trained and share knowledge within any kind of productive framework. So in other words, somebody comes into the organization and they say, what am I supposed to do? And somebody in the organization says, this is how we do it. So there's a transfer of knowledge, but we don't actually know whether the knowledge transferred was accurate, helpful, or sustainable. So by mapping paths and making them efficient, we increase the human productivity in the organization, not just the economic output, but the human productivity in the organization, the productivity associated with knowledge. That, I think, is even more exciting in some ways to companies than, especially in today's economy, where a lot of what we do is knowledge-based, right? So knowledge management and knowledge transfer are incredibly important. And we all know that knowledge gets stuck in organizations. We know that there is very little process around knowledge transfer in most organizations.
0: And I think about that from the buyer standpoint, right?
1: The buyer goes, I love what you do. You're awesome (laughs) at it and I want to take and incorporate what you do through the rest of my other companies. Exactly. And you see the failure of that in many cases when a company, I think the statistics is maybe 90% of the time acquisitions fail because the integration is so poor. The post-acquisition integration just doesn't happen. And I think part of the difficulty of integration of any kind, whether it's post-acquisition or anything else, is that if you don't have it mapped out and you don't have that happy path, it's hard for anybody to integrate anything. I mean, what are you integrating? Really, you're integrating process, right? You're integrating culture as well, which is probably the harder part of it. But it is really, really important, I think, for organizations, I wouldn't say to map every process. I think that's maybe a little too granular. But I do think that mapping the processes that really drive the major activities within an organization, or maybe what we call the critical processes. And I think about, we were talking about the profitability portion. Yeah. And so if you were trying to figure out which one to map first, you'd map yeah. the most profitable one to start with. That's right. That's right. And you can learn things, I think, from the process mapping that allow you to replicate good processes in the organization. And it creates a basis for succession, right? If something happens to a key employee, if the processes are sound and they're efficient, you're really not going to see a hiccup in the organization. And they're recorded. That's right. They're written down. They're written down. It's something that it's a visible artifact that people can look at, use on an ongoing basis, question, revise, improve. It provides an anchor, a touch point within the organization that I think is really important. So taking the time to do this, it's kind of tedious. I mean, just mapping one process can take a lot of time and frankly, a lot of energy. And in some cases, it can be really boring. If productivity is everything, right, especially in smaller companies, and by smaller, I mean middle market. So a small middle market company might be a $50 million company. Get down further into the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, even though it's more unlikely that those things will be mapped out, it's even more important, especially if you want to inflect into that exponential value creation. Now, the other advantage, as we talk about transferable value a lot in these conversations that we've been having, as you just mentioned, any outside buyer, anybody looking at it through the eyes of an investor is gonna be really excited if they can see that the processes have been mapped. Because that says to them that this has been created as a sustainable going concern. It's teachable. They've done the work. There has to be evidence that somebody has done the work owner reliance. If the owner can say, well, this is how we do it, right? We've done it this way for 40 years. Those aren't great responses, quite frankly. So one is, well, we depend on the owner to tell the story and it's in their head. So that's one thing. This is the way we've done it for 40 years. For me says we never really stopped to ask whether we're being the most efficient company possible. And we may not even have incorporated new productivity tools, software, Right New equipment, anything like that, into our process. That may be being a little bit unfair, because I have to assume the companies, for instance, that are in the manufacturing space, and honestly, I think every company is I mean we're all making something. So we've got processes that we have to pay attention to. Those processes help us control quality. They help us onboard new people, they help us manage knowledge within the organization, and they help us create more financial efficiency and economic return. So even though the work is really tedious in some cases, it's absolutely necessary. Well,
0: you know, I think the old analogy is it's, it's hard to teach something if you haven't done it yourself. Yeah, that's true. When that's I think true. about, can you take that manufacturing process,
1: take a new person go, without me here, can you read the manual and do it? That's right. And I that's think right. there's value in that. Well, and you know, that it's interesting. I think that franchise systems, for instance, have gotten, at least the good ones, have gotten really good at this, right? It comes right down to, let's say it's a retail franchise they're right down to, here's a new display. This is like, here's a drawing of where you put stuff on this display. This is what it's supposed to look like when you're done. Here are the processes for managing money, restocking, all that kind of stuff. If it's a retail franchise, if it's a service franchise, there's a whole nother. But the through line is they want somebody else to do it the way that it should be done. And the same attitude has to exist within the organization right? I should be able to pass that on to an inheritor and it should be clear and simple enough that it can be done by anybody who's looking at that visual representation of the process. Now, I will say I am a big fan of visual representations of these processes. I think you have to map it out with boxes and arrows and yet the whole thing. A fair quantity of people are visual learners. I think, well, I certainly am and well, I, you it, know, it's it, a great it, help. You know, yeah. I was thinking about as you were talking about the ability to take and have
0: consistency of process. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if you went to your local coffee shop in Colorado and says, I want my typical coffee, and then you go to Barcelona and you go, I want the coffee to taste like something else. And you go, better, (laughs) different, better. Or you go like, it's not the same.
1: That's right. And so it really is an issue. Yeah, sure. And you don't want your processes to take creativity and innovation out. I do think there's a risk sometimes of mapping out the process in a way that it becomes so rigid that it can't be improved in the future. There's always room for improvement. You should always be encouraging. You should establish a culture and encourage everybody in the company to come up with new ideas. Every process, I mean, there's a lot of room if 95% of it is unnecessary. So everybody can participate in taking one more step out and every step that you take out is going to increase value. Well, you know, which uh, is back to what
0: we talked about in on one of the other podcasts, where you have the 30-day sprints and groups and focus. Yeah. to take a look at it and you go, can we look at this process that we've been doing? That's right. You know, and is it serving? And did
1: the customer change? And there are That's things right. we can do. That's right. And there may even be whole processes that don't need to be there. Maybe you just don't have to do that whole thing anymore. Maybe technology changed. Yeah. And you go. The technology I, could do it for yeah. you. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting. It does have a tie into the information technology question which I think a lot of private businesses struggle with the efficiencies that technology can and should bring. So it's still the case, I think, too often in my view that technology is viewed as a cost, not an investment. But if you put it in the lens of productivity, does it help my employees do more than they could without it? Then you have a more productive company. If you have a more productive company, you have a more valuable company. The risk has been reduced, right? The risk has been reduced. And that's going to drive, as we said earlier, there are three ways to drive value in a company. Increase the earnings, reduce the risk, and improve the marketability. Reduce risk is the big one. You will see productivity in all of those, right? But productivity risk, the inability to move capital, move throughput in the organization is a huge risk if things are getting stuck. And the knowledge management is a big piece of it. So I would say map it visually. Do not write it down as like, 400 bullet points, just follow the list. It doesn't work. You can't see the errors. We see it a lot on software instructions. Yeah. Go to this button,
0: go under file, click here, click, and there are images on the whole thing. I know. Yeah. And the instructions that do get too wordy are not effective. Mm -hmm. There's some folks. Before I get too far down the road, for the folks that want to reach out to you, how do they find you?
1: Yeah. So our website is a good place to go for good information and contact information on all of our teams. So it's www. Dot build value today. com corporate number three one two six two six one eight two zero connect with me on LinkedIn Sean Hutchinson S E A N H U T C H I N S O N Love to hear from you. I, I love connecting with owners. Yeah, the biggest mistake you can make is not reaching out. Okay,
0: that's great. There's a whole series of these episodes on various components of value acceleration. So do we have anything further to talk about in the productivity side? I don't think so. Well, I think we've covered time. it for now. We're productive. We'll exit. We'll exit ex- here. All right.